me to actually, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, here's, here's the deal about Genesis, is Genesis actually means beginning. So in the book of Genesis, you're going to find a lot of beginnings. You're going to find a lot of new good things and a lot of new bad things. And so before we get into the bad of chapter 3, you have two stories of creation. Uh, The first one is in chapter 1, and the second one is a different perspective. Same event, but different perspective in chapter 2. If you ever notice, they are different accounts. Um, But but this one is going to focus more on humans. Uh, The other one mentions humans at the end, even though we're in an elevated position, created in His image, and so on and so forth, it's still, these are two very different accounts, and yet of the same event. So, notice here in Genesis 2, and I want to just start reading in verse 18 and go to the end of, of chapter 2. Uh, and hear these words, this is the Word of God. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman." because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your most holy Word. Make it this morning a word for us. A timely word for someone here in this room, for even me, Lord, we pray in Your most holy name. Amen. Genesis is the oldest book in the Bible. It's actually some of the oldest literature that we have known to mankind. There's really nothing that we have passed down over the ages that's, that can be declared older than portions of Genesis, especially the portions of 1-11. through 11. Um, This is going to back us all the way up to the very beginning. And, and as you know here, God makes all of creation, He speaks it into existence. He does not create it out of something that was already there. So whereas some people in the world believe, and I don't want to get into world religions, I'm I'm tempted always to do that, but I'm not going to. Refuse it. Stop. Um, People believe that matter is eternal. Christians do not. 
there was nothing but God, and He created everything out of nothing. So, there was nothing, and He created everything you see around you, everything that we've ever built, out of nothing. Now, you know, we're raising four theologians in our house, and sometimes they get into a discussion. Uh, this happens often, and I like to just sit there and overhear them talking to each other about God. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, I, we, I really should bring the recorder and, and just simply record it, but, but I failed to, or either that it's a very quick discussion. Anyway, the other day they're saying, they're saying uh, to each other, you know, hey, hey Bertie, you know, God created all things, and then somebody said something about, yeah, well, God didn't create a football. But we created a football out of what He created. That's what somebody said. I think it was Jackson. I was like, what? Where's my pen? I mean, that's correct, isn't it? There's nothing. He creates everything. Then we create shoes and we create cars and we create skies. We create out of what He has created because we're creating His image, right? We're like Him. We too are creative and meant to be creative. We're meant to work. He worked. Work is not a bad thing. Work is something God does. And therefore we work. It's part of who we are. And so you, you get this, this beautiful creation story in chapter 1 where He creates. And you, know, you have to sit your six days of creation and the seventh day He rested. And after every day, He says, it is good. Now, that doesn't mean it was morally good. He's not sitting there saying, you know, light is morally good. Any more than I say ice cream is good. I'm not meaning that asparagus is evil and ice cream is a good boy. Rather, I'm saying that ice cream that I had yesterday was exactly what I wanted it to be. In other words, I had in my mind, ooh, some vanilla ice cream would be very tasty on a hot day. Ate the ice cream, I said, that was good. Right? Which means it lined up to what I wanted to see happen. God's saying the same thing. After every day of creation, He said, you know what? That is Good. Not talking about morality, but simply, that's exactly the way I wanted it to be. The seasons, that's His design. He made them. The solar system, He made them. The stars, He made them. Rotations, He made them. Days, 24-hour cycles, He made it. Physics, He made it. Engineering, He made it. Math, He made it. All that stuff. He made everything. And now we make out of what He has made. There was nothing. He created everything. And now we create out of that. Which is a really cool, cool way to look at it. But there already in chapter 2 is a deficiency. So you get, this is good, this is good. And interestingly, in chapter 1, you get He created male and female. In this, in chapter 2, what you get is a different account of first Him creating the male, Adam, which by the way means mankind, and then the female. And so you get this detailed account of how woman comes from man. And it specifically says it here. And you, and you get these different images here that are not in chapter 1. So it's almost general in chapter 1. Then it gets very specific in chapter 2. Also in chapter, at the end of chapter 1, he says on the 6th, he says, look, this is, you can actually look at it in 31 of 1, this is very Good. So once He creates humans and places humans really at the apex of creation, really at the top, to have dominion over everything else, to be His very image in the world, 
when he does that, he says, Ooh, now the other stuff was good, but this is very good. This is exactly what I wanted. And so, in chapter 2, it tells us clearly that man should not be alone. It is not good. So, do you see this? When you, when you position the two beside each other, juxtapose them, very good, 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 very good, not good for man to be alone. Humans, which is what we are in this room, are not meant to be alone. We are not meant to be by ourselves. We are not meant for individualism. Our culture tells us to be who we want to be, do what we want to do, make up our own reality. The Bible is going to say, be in Christ. Be one with your mate. Be connected to a church. It's not going to say go find yourself in these ways, but rather look to God, not self. The world tells us we can do what we want. The Bible says we can't. God says we can't. That we don't know what we're doing. It'd be like me giving permission to my four sons to go do whatever they wanted to in the yard. Or in a city. Which is even way more dangerous. It's already dangerous enough to let them do what they want to do in their own room. <laughs> so, we were never created to be alone. And yet, the tendency for sin, our natural bent in life, our default position is to close the shades, to keep people out, to, to guard our heart. Did you catch that little phrase at the end that always is just odd to us? They were naked and they were not ashamed. They had zero barriers between each other. And there was no shame. Now, we're all covered up here. Thankfully, that's, that's the right way to be. I'm not saying we're not going back. We're moving forward. All right, <laughs> We're to be clothed with Christ. So, so this kind of thing is important. But we create these barriers, don't we? Between each other. These burrs, if you will. These little walls that, that start off very small. And then they get larger than we can even handle. And God must break them down. Must. Because what will happen is we'll turn... I mean, you know, again, forgive me, but we'll turn into Gollum. We'll turn into Smeagol. You remember from Lord of the Rings? He is obsessed with his sin, which is the ring, which which divides him from everything else. He would rather live alone than risk someone messing with his stuff. Haven't you found that tendency in you? I'm not going to open up my house to, for people to come in. I'm not going to share my money with anybody else. I was in a conversation with someone recently who I was very shocked by it quite frankly because I've never I don't know that I've had a conversation quite like this and I won't tell you the whole thing for privacy purposes but basically the point of it was this person I had asked him hey you have any kids absolutely not will never and because I want my money I want my stuff 
I enjoy my stuff too much. Why would I mess that up with other people? Say what you want. We've been there before. Say what you want. You've been there before with God's stuff. You can cast judgment. Yes. It's easy to cast judgment. It's easy to see somebody else's speck when you've got a big old tree log in your eye. Oh, yeah, I see that old speck of yours, man. And people are like, oh, what's wrong with him? Is he all right? How did you even get that in there? We are more messed up than we like to admit, but when we see it in somebody else, we want to cast judgment. And that's what I want to do. I want to cast judgment, but then Jesus is like, hey, you do that same kind of thing, man. It might not be so overt, but that's what's dangerous about yours is you try to cover yours up. You try to dress it up. And yet you still protect yourself. You protect your interests. It's what we naturally tend to. And what I'm saying, what the Bible is saying here is we were never created like that. It's all God's. Remember, didn't He create everything? Your body is not your own. How many times do we need to drill that in our heads as we watch television shows that just, that just try to tell us we can do what we want with our body? You cannot. Not according to God. Who created the body? It is not yours. My children are not my own. They're on loan to me. They are God's before they're mine. He's their father before I'm their father. He created fatherhood. He is the Father. He defines what it means to be a father and a parent. He defines marriage. He defines family. Not us. Not the news. Not political correctness. God. If you're ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of you. Is that clear enough? We cower to argument. And I'm not saying you have to be, don't be obviously a bigot. Don't be self-righteous. But you better defend God's way when it arises. Don't be ashamed. I don't want to hear on that day, you were ashamed of me. Son, I don't know you. Give us courage, God, to speak the truth in love. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mean. That is not the way of the Gospel. It is not the way of the cross. Jesus isn't mean to those who are spitting in His face. Our response is, okay, yeah, they got marriage wrong, buddy. I'm about to... This is not Jesus. This is not the way of the cross. Is it? We read these stories that get us riled up, get us fired up, and we want to go spew that on somebody. Don't. It's love that will win the day. And yet you can defend God's way. Be as wise as serpents and humble as doves. This is the gospel. You see, we were made for each other. We were made for God's world. We were made for God. So, 
you know, today I just want to, I've got some practical stuff for us that I'm going to just lay out. One thing that's very practical is stop and smell the roses. This, is, you know, this comes from Peter Craven in his book. He goes, stop and smell the roses. He says, literally, right now, stop reading my book and go outside and smell a rose. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, put down the book. I mean, I want to be respectful for the guy. You know, he spent a lot of time doing this. He'll often do that with prayer. He says, stop reading about me talking about prayer and actually pray. Amen. Sometimes we forget. We say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Stop and smell the rose. Just enjoy nature. But we never do it. We get in our car, we go to work, we come home, we, we, we're slammed you know, to the wall with our kids and this and that. We never stop to enjoy God's creation. Just go outside today. Look up at the clouds. I mean, yesterday I went outside and, and just looked at the contrast between some of the storm clouds that were rolling in and, and the blue sky. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, the, the contrast of color. He's an artist. I mean, people will go pay to go look at artwork like this. When it's free outside, every day. If you wake up early enough, just stop for a moment to enjoy... He created trees. He created birds. He created dogs and horses. He created all these things. And He likes them. He says, that's exactly what I wanted. Which is why kind of in Revelation, they show up again. The tree of life, the river of you know, life. I mean, you get these things that God created, He's not going to destroy them. We haven't messed up His world so much that He's going to obliterate the whole thing. He's going to renew it. He's going to make a new heaven. A new, just like He wants to make a new you. That doesn't mean He's going to blow you up. It means He's going to renew you. Transform you. That's good news. We can't botch it up far enough or bad enough to where He can't fix it. He can fix whatever we bring to us. Which is really good news. It's really good news for me. So we're created for His world. We're meant to live in this world. That's why we have the equipment to live in this world. We breathe oxygen. We drink water. We have to eat stuff. We were made for this world. And isn't it good that He made us to where we can eat stuff and it's actually good? I mean, food is awesome. At least all four, five of us dag boys in the house think it's great. Jessica gets annoyed because she has to cook for so many men. But, but we love it. I mean, we wake up and we're hungry. And about halfway through the day, we're hungry. We're ready to eat again. And we like food. We, and, and the good thing is, it's not just some function, you know, uh, like breathing air. It doesn't really taste like anything to me. But, man, a good cooked meal like those all rotten potatoes we had last night. Bam! That's good stuff. He's made that. He made it like that. He made food enjoyable for us. Have you ever stopped to thank Him for that? So we're made to fit in His world. We were fitted for His world. His world was made just for us. It's a place for us to play in. It's a place for us to develop in. To, to make better. That's what's so cool about having your own lot in the world. Your own little house and piece of property. You, know, you can get that and... And it's, almost, it's biblical. Isn't owning land biblical? It is. The, God says, hey, I'm going to give you a couple things, Abraham. One of them is land. I want you to develop that land. I want you to cultivate that land. Whatever God gives you, whether it's an apartment or whether it's whatever it is, wherever you live, that's a place where you start cultivating that, making it better. Your workplace, make it better. Don't be sitting on the sidelines complaining. Make it better. The church. 
You say, man, we don't have this and we don't have that. And you can go list. I've got the list too. You and I can be amening each other on what we don't have. But what about what we can do? What about what you can do? That's what we need to start talking about. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. <laughs> Sounds like a motivational speech. But, <clears throat> but it's true. It's true. Here's the thing. We're not only created for His world, but we're created for each other. That's why we, you don't get here by yourself. It takes two people to get you here. Male and female. It's the only way to get here. It's the only way to arrive. It's the only way to be gestated into this world. Carried by another person. In particular, a woman. Which is really interesting here that man's created first and the woman comes from man, but every subsequent man comes from woman. She's about balancing act. How do you balance that out? Well, I think God did a pretty good job here. I mean, if you don't think He did, then you can take it up with Him, not me. But man comes first. Woman comes from man. And when he, when he sees her, he says, Whoa, man. That's where he... It's supposed to be a joke, but, you know. You can give me a courtesy laugh at least, right? He says, Whoa, man, right? So, woman. But no, he says, Look, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And the two are meant to be one flesh. Now that oneness you'll see in the Holy Trinity. That oneness you'll see in Jesus' own divine nature and human nature. He joins divinity to humanity in one person without being schizophrenic or odd, but instead oneness. Oneness. Unity. Just like what Paul will continually talk about should be the staple of our church is unity. In the Spirit. Who is the unity between the Father's love and the Son's love. Who is love Himself. Don't you just... I mean, I just... I love the doctrine of the Holy Trinity because it's who God is. It's not just a doctrine. It's who God is, who we worship. If you worship another God, then that's idolatry. The God that Christians worship is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. One God who is in three persons. He Himself is a relationship of love. And out of that relationship, He creates us in a web of relationships. Every single one of us. If we could just do a diagram of your life, there's so many connection points of people who have shaped you. A little word here. Twelve years spent here. It would be unbelievable to track out in your life the influence of these webs of relationships. We've been called to God's service to intentionally influence our webs of relationship. You don't have to go on a mission trip across the world to be a missionary. It starts tomorrow morning. It starts today when you go to Publix. It starts today, and I've used this before, I'll use it again. It starts today when you go somewhere to eat and somebody doesn't bring you your tea on time. Somebody never fills up your cup. She's the worst waiter. He's the worst waiter ever. It depends on your response. What would Jesus' response be? It's His money that you're eating on, correct? So yes, we factor that into how we're going to respond to this lady, this man. Because what if it's a response of grace? 
we were talking the other day at our <laughs> at our mowing event, our mowing ministry, uh, to use some alliteration, and uh, we said, you know, I don't know if these one people, they, I don't know if really, whether or not they need it or not, you know, and so we just said, well, you know, let's just go ahead and do it, just because it's probably what Jesus would do, you know. <laughs> Even if they don't need it, let's go ahead and do it out of grace. Because isn't that what grace is? Grace is not for those who need it. Who actually want, think that they need it. It's for those who don't even know. Remember what Jesus says? They don't know, Father, forgive them. That's tough to say. That's really tough to... When somebody doesn't even understand. It's not about us. And yet we try to make it about us all of the time. And our world will start swirling around us, orbiting around us so much so that we turn so inward we begin to be hunched over and start talking about talking like God. It is, I mean, Tolkien has done, to me, the best image you can do in a fictional story by creating the character of Gollum. He used to be a hobbit, and he looks nothing like it. And we say, how can people do that on the other side? Of the how could they possibly? It's because of sin. You could be there. I could be there. A couple decisions can get us straight in there. It's that quick. It's that fast of a process. It's that dangerous to mess with sin in our life. Five minutes can destroy a marriage. Five minutes can destroy your family. And it takes 50 years to build a reputation. Five minutes to lose it. And God has entrusted us with these relationships, and I think it's just crazy. Isn't it? That He would put us as stewards, as managers, over these little precious people in our lives that are His, not just ours. Yeah, we had a part in creating it, and it was real fun. Thankfully, He made it like that. But they're His. That's His. Not just mine and Jessica's. And that's a resp- He's going to hold me accountable for what I did for them. Here's the crazy thing. And I hate to put this on you in a way, but He's also going to hold you accountable how they see you at church. If they see you at church. How you respond to people in church. I know because I'm a preacher's kid. I was there, man. Every single Sunday, Wednesday, whatever. I saw people. And kids know more than you think they know. They can read more than you think they can read. We think we got it all covered up. Oh yeah, that's an adult thing. you know. No, they see it. They see it. They know it. And most of all, God knows it. We were meant for these relationships of family, of marriage. Paul says, look, the exception to the rule of marriage is singleness. That's the exception though. It's not the norm. Whereas in our today's culture, what's the norm? Singleness. It's flipped on its head. It's not God's way. The reason why is because most of us are not made to be celibate the rest of our life. You can't have it both ways. Sex is to be enjoyed in the covenant, binding covenant of marriage. That's it. Outside of that, all of it's wrong. Any form of it that it takes is wrong. As Forrest Gump said, that's all I got to say about that. 
we were created for community with each other and and another community. And that is a divine one. The elect one. <laughs> Which is the church. You, don't, you say, I don't have a father. I never had a father. There are fathers in this room. Spiritual fathers in this room. Even though my sons have a grandfather in their life, which is my dad that is a strong Christian and so on and so forth, guess what? He wasn't able to be there the other day, so we had another spiritual grandfather who's about the same age as my father, even though he didn't look it. Bob came to my son's grandparents' day. Do you know how much that means to us? I'm going to start getting me choked up. That my kids can look at some of you as spiritual uncles. They do look at you. They will. You look back at your life. That's all I'm going to say. Just look back at your life and, and understand those pillars of faith in your own life. Think about that. That's what God is calling you to be for other people. It's not just I'm a father to my own children. No, I'm a father to those students of mine at Calhoun. So how does that work out? Am I being that to them? He has created us in this... (laughs) Unique web of relationships. I used to say as an idiot back in the day, um, the world would be a better place if, if there weren't no people. But that's not, you know, the roads would be better if there weren't any people. That's, but that's not God's way, is it? That's not God's way. Because He created the world and He created people in the world, and He knew all of what we were going to do. That's just what's crazy. And yet, He did it anyway and said, this is very good. Very, very good. Exactly what I wanted. This world is what He wanted. Now you can say, well, there's suffering. Well, there... Yeah, there is. And His answer to that is to come and suffer with us. To come and die with us. You say, well, that's not a good enough answer for me. We're going to have to take that up with him because I don't have much else for you. And that's not a joke. That's, that's for real. And, and you can take it up with him, please. By all means, take it up with him rather than the philosophers. Take it up with him rather than the biologists. Because they don't know he does. We're on a need-to-know basis. We may never know in this life why we suffer, but that better not be a barrier to Jesus. Amen. So... We come to this thing called, also that we're created for, (coughs) communion. Which really, I mean, you start looking at the term communion, and you've got with community. With unity. This is what we're doing when we partake of communion. This is what we're doing when we talk about our community of faith. Is we're saying, our unity, the one thing, Because there's so much diversity in this room and it's beautiful. At least it's beautiful to God if you can't see it or I can't see it. But with all this diversity, the unity is Jesus. That one name, Jesus. (laughs) Well, we'll all meet Him one day. Whether you like it or not, you're going to meet Him face to face. And so... That one Jesus says, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. That's pretty strong words. 
I don't know that I understand all of what he means by that, but I'm going to do it. My kids don't always understand why I tell them to do stuff, but they better do it. So to us. We're the kids. We're not the adults in this relationship with God. We're the kids. If you are not able to enter in like a child, then you won't enter in, Jesus says. We were created for God's family, and this is the meal of that family. It's always shocked me that even the mob knows that family is important. They can't even run a bad operation without family. How are we going to run a good operation here at this church without being a family? And so this upcoming Friend Day, let's treat this house like a family. So if you are inviting people over to your home, you wouldn't just sit there when they came in the door. You would greet them at the door. I'm not saying everybody congregate at the door, but we got somebody that's purposely going to be at the door, but you hit them up afterward. I would just say this, first five minutes, go find someone, even this Sunday, today, after this earth, spend five minutes, not talking to people that you know, but talking to the guests, people that you don't know. They might not be a guest actually, but you may never talk to them. So talk to them. This is our family. This is our house. And so we want it to be clean. We want it to be nice. We want, we want them to be able to find parking. We want them to be able to come in here and, and, and feel like this is a place of hospitality. Because that's what the church is supposed to do in the world. Jesus took on flesh. Took on a house, a temple. That's what we call it. He tabernacled with us. And this too is a house. And this too must be kept clean. This too must be hospitable. So use your body this week even. Even here in just a minute, you can practice it. To actually reach outside of yourself to someone else. Invite people into your life. Do not remain closed off. This is mine. Instead, be the opposite of Gollum, which is Frodo, who gives his life for the sake of Middle Earth. Little bitty insignificant nobody, and he changes the course of the entire movie story. We have that opportunity. You don't have to have awesome gifts or abilities or a bunch of money or a big house. You just have to have a willing spirit. The Spirit of God in you. Then you'll see your marriage differently, your family differently, the church drastically different. Don't we need this communion power in our life? I know I do. Trust me, relationships are hard. They're hard because they're the best thing in the world. And the best things in the world are always difficult. So relationships would be very difficult. If relationships hurt the most, that's because they also are the most joyous thing in life. We can call somebody friend. Have you allowed Jesus to transform your relationships in your life? Do you have the one relationship in the right place, with it, which is Jesus Christ? Or is He off to the side? Has He moved back to the burner? If so, you can meet Him anew here. He is here 
he's, he's happy to meet you where you are. doesn't matter about the past. Do not get hung up on the past. He's here now to transform. Whatever's happened in the past, let it be the past. Now is the day of salvation. Today, this minute, go to Him. And He can transform. Do you believe that? I know it to be true. I know it to be true. And, and for you. <laughs> so, may we look to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit this morning to make us one. To fill us with His love. To be His children. To be His bride. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.